creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. Can't keep on losing you over complications. Gone too soon. Wait, we were just hanging. I can't seem to hold on to. Dang, the people that know me best, the key that I won't forget. Too soon, I can't keep on losing you. Friday, November 4th, 2016, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is a leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. I think Audible is an important service, actually. Audible uh, content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks and other audio products, and users can sign up as an Audible listener, which gives them book credits and access to short programs now playing in channels each month for a low monthly fee. Customers can download their choices and then access them on their iPhone, Android device, their Fire tablet, their iPod, or other MP3 player. There's a lot of options there. But I think it's like really important. There are people that just learn better by listening. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like I feel like I wish I was a student in the age of Audible. I would have listened to way more of my books. You you wouldn't have lied during your book report. You wouldn't have used Cliff Notes. So <laughs> you're, you're, well, you're I mean, probably would have done that. So speaking of book also. report, you know, my Audible selections tend to skew toward the nonfiction variety, the biography yeah. and nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a mind for fancy. I like I, I like my I like my information when I when, in my just books. the facts, ma'am. Just yes. the facts. I don't have a mind for fancy. <laughs> but uh, but I'm trying to Quote stretch that. myself. Yes. Yeah. And I've never finished. To Kill a Mockingbird. I've started it a few times. Oh, wow. Never it's, finished it. So so I'm listening to it on Audible right now. It's read like, by Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek, by the way, is a fantastic actress. She's in Bloodline, and which is a great And she also know, stars drama. in the To Kill a Mockingbird audio v- book on Audible. Yeah, I was going to say, that that alone makes me want to re re-read or re-listen to To Kill a Mockingbird to hear it from her voice. She captures the southern charm. Oh, yeah. He really does. Scout. And- yeah. Audible yeah. is offering relevant podcast listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash relevant and browse the selection of audio programs. Download your title for free and just start listening. It's that easy. That's audible.com slash relevant. Uh, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron, and here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat oh, Coffold. Go Cubs. Cubs win. Cubs Over win. there on the ones and twos are illustrious producer, my brother. Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And joining us, sitting in for the whole show today, Chelsea Steele is here with us in the hello, studio. Hello, everybody. Uh, Joy is off on assignment. No, actually, we're recording at a weird time. That's yeah. that Joy was unable to make it this weird time, and so Chelsea... Did uh, you say off on assignment just as a default thing to yeah. say, but then you realized, oh, no, I don't <laughs> no, need to actually, say that. I don't need to say it. It's our fault that she's not on, not hers. <laughs> <laughs> she's off on a... What? She's not gathering stories. No, listen, it's, half of my like podcast stick is just pre-programmed things <laughs> no, that come out of my mouth. I know. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so welcome, Chelsea. Thank you. You're wearing overalls. Yeah, I'm feeling really good about it. They're really multi-purpose. They're like cargo shorts for your whole body. So did anybody, mm. before you came in, did anybody give you advice on on like, you're wow, you're in the whole show. There's going to be 400,000 people listening to you. Did anybody give you advice? Did you even know there were that many people listening? Um, I and think, judging? Yeah, Cameron's referenced that before. So so we should let the listeners get to know her. Right. We met her a couple of weeks ago, but uh, the internet's clamoring. When you were a kid, what did you think you were going to do when you grew up? 
a variety of things. I was and most children, I think, have five jobs they think they're going to be famous for. Did, well, real like, quick, Chelsea, did you envision a future where you got to wear overalls to work? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that was a top priority. So okay. I am living my dream. So what did you think you were going to do when you were an adult? I think when I was younger, I wanted to be a clown and also a ballerina and also a veterinarian. Okay. And well, I am none of those things. You are not any <laughs> so, of those things. Can I, can I say only one of those sounds like a viable profession to me? Yes. But like clown. it's two hobbies Clowning. and a job. Clowning has really taken off this year. It's been a big year for clowns. Yeah. yeah. Well, Chelsea, let me ask you this. I asked this to Eddie, his first show. Uh, and it, it, it's first thing that comes to mind. You can't give it any thought. Spirit animal. You can't say wolf because everyone says that. Go. I think my spirit animal is a puppy, like a dog before it turns one years old. Mm. Look at you. <laughs> and now here you are. Big deal. Living the dream. Puppy spirit animal. Yeah. I don't, they're loyal. They're playful. Um, you have a pineapple <laughs> tattoo on your wrist. Was that a I real do. emotional decision for you? Um, no, not really. Yeah, I kind of just decided to do it when I was out in California. Is it because what what, what does like the pineapple represent? Hold, hold on, can I guess? Can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah. It's like the hospitality thing. No, she's just into SpongeBob. Yeah, oh. I just really love who lives in a pineapple under this. <laughs> she's just super into like citrusy things and yeah. pineapple, why not? Her, well, her personality is very acidic. Yeah. Mm. Very, mm -hmm. very uh, thorny. Delicious tart. old tart. Yeah. Uh, it's Inside, like super yeah. spiritual if y'all want to get yes, into it. We do. Let's just yeah. get in. Let's hear it. Can you turn on turn on uh, Mike Smith in the background, Michael W. Smith? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, what's the spiritual significance of a pineapple? Um, well, I fruits of the spirit. <laughs> I became oh. a Christian when I was nineteen years old, and shortly thereafter, I went to a church that was encouraging everybody to like engage with the Lord and try to hear from Him in a way that's unique to you, which I loved because growing up not in a Christian household, hearing people say like the Lord's voice was very confusing for me. So it was nice to have people kind of prompt like different ways that the Lord speaks to people. Oh, that makes sense. I, I, was saying, I get the pineapple. pineapple now. And someone was like, the Lord speaks in fruits sometimes. <laughs> Fruit of the Spirit. Father Miranda was an amazing evangelist. Wait, um, no, wait. Is that really the end of the story? No. The Fruit of the Spirit? Oh, I was like, that is a terrible no tattoo. Some, this, Keep woman, going. this woman said... I'm not going to uh, lie, Chelsea. I'm having trouble connecting the dots here. <laughs> I'll bring it home real short. Yeah, yeah. I'm just um, so this woman said that sometimes the Lord will speak in pictures or like images in your mind, which makes sense to me. I'm a very imaginative person. And so I just asked the Lord to show me a picture of what he was doing in my life. And then I had this image in my mind of a pineapple and God was cutting off all of the spikes on the outside. Oh, that was not a joke. Not because he wanted to get like to take anything away from me, but he was getting to like the heart of who I was. Wow. So there you have it, folks. Nice tattoo. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thankfully, it was like yeah. a nice looking fruit. Yeah, gosh. What if it was like a pumpkin? Well, I mean, that was way more information yeah. than I was jokingly thinking we were going to get. Chelsea Sorry. and the Lord and everything. Yeah. We're on it. <laughs> Capital L, Lord. Thorns. It's all about thorns. I mean, basically, that needs to be our goal. Within three minutes of any new person coming mm -hmm. on the show, get to a deep, introspective, spiritual. <laughs> you know, I don't think any of us have ever shared like anything. Yeah, you, you, that you have, I, Chelsea. I've been doing this show. <laughs> I've been the show for more than a decade now, and you've wow. opened up uh, more about your spiritual life and your spiritual journey <laughs> right. than I even close <laughs> to anything I have in more than a decade of doing this. That's wow. true. Pineapple wins. 
Thank but you. we know about a lot of his theories. Do you like <laughs> the taste of pineapple? I Which I can get into Good. if you yeah. want to hear. Thank the Lord. Thank God. Some interesting Thank political you. leanings as well, if anyone's got an hour. <laughs> well, we have a great show in store for you today. Um, coming up, actually, it's election day while this show is out. Uh, so this can be, this is the last time we have to talk about politics. Thank oh, my God. We don't even have to talk about politics. Thank, Thank God. Thank yeah. that Lord. Thank that Lord <laughs> that she spoke of earlier in her story. <laughs> it's the pineapple of episodes today. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. Uh, coming up later, oh, Scott, uh, filmmaker Scott do. Derrickson is joining us. He's the director of the new epic, huge blockbuster Doctor Strange is, that's coming out, the Marvel movie. Uh, he's oh, yeah. he's a, a horror director and he's a Christian. Yeah, and so it's a fascinating word. <laughs> what horror? Yeah. He's a horror director. You don't use two syllables when you say it. Though. Yeah, you got to <laughs> hit that should. H hard at the beginning. <laughs> horror director. Horror. 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 Yeah, there's an the extra OR in there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was trying to roll my eyes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, um, anyway, he is a horror director that is also a Christian, and he's directing this epic blockbuster, Doctor Strange. Uh, we have a feature with him in the new issue of Relevant, but part of the interview we did, we thought we'd bring on the show today. So yeah. well, while you're listening yep. to this it's probably i think it's a safe bet for me to 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 say it's the biggest movie in the world right now i think it when it it, it actually inter, opened internationally a couple days before its us opening and it's already setting crazy records it's going to be one of the biggest marvel movies uh, so far and it has like 91% rating on rotten tomatoes yeah it's like it's it's like, like, it's, it's the nexus of like critical and commercial success it's it's you know well people people have been uh sending me pictures of their cineplex as they're walking to their theaters like those little um led marquees that they put in front of the doors you know to tell yeah. you where the movies yeah. are well apparently there's a character limit and several theaters just put dr strang on there and uh, <laughs> people have been tweeting me pictures. Awesome. yeah wow. so so maybe it is about our podcast in some sort of illusion um, also coming up later, Gunger joins us. Michael and Lisa Gunger have a new album out and it's fantastic. And uh, they're friends of the show and have been on many times yeah. performing stuff for us. They're not performing today, but they're going to talk to us about the new album. We'll get to experience it with them. So Love that's it. kind of fun. Love them. There you go. It's an awesome show. Yeah. Uh, well, it's time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. There's a lot of stuff that went down. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Oh, uh, in case you missed it, uh, apparently there was a baseball game. That's not on my run sheet. I just want to acknowledge the fact that the Cubs won. Congratulations yeah. to Chicago. Go Cubs, that go. was a real mo- That was, I don't care. I, you, everybody knows. Go I've- Cubs, go. Go <laughs> yeah, what Cubs, was- go. <laughs> yeah, that was a little da, 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 Do you know the creepiest da, thing? Da, 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 so the game, if, if you didn't, if you weren't watching, goes into extra innings, right? That means it's tied in the ninth. I, I think literally everybody yeah. knows. Well, okay. Yeah. So just setting context, there was a tweet that resurfaced on Twitter about that time. And when it went into the 10th inning that someone tweeted back in 2014 that said Indians versus Cubs 2000 World Series game will go into extra innings. Then the world will end. That was tweeted in 2014. And it said in seven wow. games. Wow. Dude, that's crazy. Super creepy. Super creepy. I don't. The only thing I know about baseball is when someone is in a pickle and they are stuck between two bases. Okay, I didn't even know that. I don't yeah. even know that that's a like a definite. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's just a, a pickle. Like, you can a be pickle's in a, a thing. That's a term. Yeah, it's always if a they're thing. like throwing the ball back and the person's running back, and you're like, oh, he's in a pickle. Well, I mean, that's a common so, phrase for a lot of people who are stuck between. I mean, it's yeah, not but, but I mean, I think it, I think it is. The, I think it is the nomenclature is is a pickle. Thank you, Jesse. Because in baseball practice growing up, you would practice the pickle, which is like the most fun thing. 
Pickle <laughs> practice. Pickle practice. <laughs> like pickle practice day was the highlight of little league practice baseball practice. I see. I played baseball for one year. It was my tenth grade year, okay. and uh, my mom came to the first game, and we were in the seventh inning or something like that. Oh no, we weren't. We were in, like the fourth yeah. inning. And uh, we were, you know, in the dugout and my mom comes down to the dugout, like the back of the dugout, you like there was like, yeah. holes in it. And yeah. she was like, hey, I'm leaving. Oh, and I was like, why? <laughs> it's my first game. And I'm 10th grade. She's yeah. like, this is like watching paint dry. And she like, yeah. she, she left. Hates baseball. Hates baseball. She hates it. Wow. She left. She didn't even support her own son. Oh. And, and from that game on the rest of the season, I just drive myself to the games and I my parents never me. showed up. Someday we have to do a super cut of every story you've ever told about your family <laughs> and just kind of let everybody. It could be like the new Netflix documentary of like making a camera. <laughs> making a camera. <laughs> like the, the intro shot is a slow-mo shot of Cameron's mom walking up to a hole in a dugout fence like, you know, performative years. This is this is boring. <laughs> this is you bore me. I'm leaving now. Yeah, there you go. So that's baseball. Okay, in case you missed it, uh, so we've been talking about the uh, Wrinkle in Time film adaptation. Huge $100 million budget. First film that big to be directed by a woman of color. The director is Ava DuVarney, who did uh, Selma and, yep. um, and 13th. So the cast is coming together. So uh, Chris Pine is in it. Oprah's in it. We know this. Uh, now, uh, Reese Witherspoon is in it. Mindy Kaling is in it. Now, Zach Galifianakis is joining oh, okay. the I have a theory yeah. here. So, can I, can I st- give my yeah. theory here? They're casting this huge, like Cameron said, $100 million movie. If you're familiar with the novel, uh, not only a lingual novel, it's you know largely considered one of the most influential works of like Christian science fiction ever written. They're casting this movie. and Hold on. Like, let's punctuate that correctly. It's not Christian science Fiction. It's not. It's not the Christian scientist. Yeah, it's it's Christian, Christian. science fiction. I need to reread. Yeah. I need There's to get this on Audible and reread it because I horror, yeah. horror. Yeah. Although I have a theory about I have a theory about Zach. Well, real quick, here, here, like, he, he, let me lay this out. Oh yeah, the studio is casting. They're like, we want this to be a hit. Who can we go to that are are curates? cultural talent like no one else who what what outlet can we look at like who has put these people front and center like where the big casting reese witherspoon cover of relevant no problem co-star mindy kaling cover of relevant now we need a guy let's look at the cover of relevant zach galifianakis no problem a couple years ago really yeah that's cool all three of them have been on our covers so uh up next i guess we're gonna have uh, who else is going to join uh, we'll, the cast? We'll have then, uh, Jack Houston. We'll have probably John Foreman. John L- Foreman, I'm sure. Lecre- Mace. <laughs> Mace, definitely Mace. <laughs> yeah. um, Moby yeah. is going to do the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel I like say- we need some sort of royalty or at least something in the credits here for casting. Yeah. Just something. Just a big thank you to Relevant for doing our <laughs> yeah, job. Exactly. Um, I think Zach Galifianakis, though. I think Zach he could be go the way of Robin Williams in terms of acting. Like his whole shtick, his whole stand-up thing is all acting. If you watch Baskets, he's got real acting yeah, chops. Real chops. Yeah. He's real yeah. thoughtful. I bet he's a great, great dramatic actor. That like in a couple of years we'll look back and be like, remember when he's just like silly and funny all the time he, in the hangover, well, but he's really amazing. He he his story is actually 
sad, and he has such depth, a lot like Robin Williams. I yeah. mean, honestly, that yeah. parallel, I think, would be very... It's the sad clown thing. Yeah. I mean, if, if, did you ever see that live? Before he kind of broke out, he had that Netflix pro- uh, comedy, Live with the Purple, live Purple Onion. Onion. Holy smokes. Where you, it's like Andy Kaufman-esque, yeah. where you don't know what's real and what's not. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, and he like loses it on stage and stuff, and but, you realize like that is actually... There is some truth in that comedy. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's good. But like, when you watch Tracy Morgan, you really realize that like, oh, Tracy actually is kind of a loose cannon. <laughs> but Zach knows everything yeah. he's doing. Absolutely. He gets the whole thing. And that's why I say Kaufman well, well, Yeah, that's right. I yeah. think that's what makes the comedian the sad clown is maybe they're too aware of themselves. Yeah, that's, well, that's right. They're not just... He, he had a really Jesse formative said. experience on that early MTV show, or it was one of those shows he did early on in his career where it was like one of those, like it was when prank shows were really big and he would do, it was sort of like daily show correspondence where he would go and the pitch would be, he's doing like a news story and he's a reporter, but just set people up to say ridiculous, dumb things and make them look foolish. And I, I remember reading this interview with him back in the day where he talked about one of the subjects was some really flamboyant like preacher and he was going to go and do kind of one of those fake news stories and just, you know, edit it to make the guy look kind of dumb and get laughs, relatively harmless. But the guy ended up opening up to him during like what was supposed to be like a fake interview about how his son passed away and that really informed his faith and his ministry. And Zach Galifianakis said he just dropped the whole act and just talked to the guy. And after that, he realized that's not the he doesn't want to do like mean spirited comedy. That's not what he wants to do. Okay, well, in case you missed it, uh, this week, uh, a documentary came out. MTV did a little mini documentary on Kirk Franklin, uh, where he responded to the criticism that he's gotten from the faith community about working with artists like Kanye. Um, And so I started seeing this uh, make the rounds on kind of Facebook and stuff last Sunday, and it it got a lot of traction. Uh, Franklin said that it was Kanye West and Chance the Rapper who sought him out to collaborate, not the other way around. And that Chance even said he was raised on gospel music and felt it was important to incorporate it into his album. Um, He goes on to say that he personally feels that his purpose is to make God part of the cultural conversation. Uh, He says, quote, I'm called to make sure that cats are talking about God on the block now. Here is a... It It was like a cool way of saying people. Okay, it wasn't. You. It wasn't actually cats. <laughs> Men wearing fedoras on the street corner. Be like, hey, cats, the daddios. Yeah. Hey, here's a clip of uh, Kirk Franklin on this MTV documentary. Two, three, four. Being raced in church and being raced in hip hop for me became something that was very natural for the two to come together. Five, three, one, two, three, four, five. Some of the comments that I've had about who I work with, that's kind of been the narrative of my career. In the 90s, it was with Salt. And, you know, with R. Kelly and Bono and Mary Chay. And, you know, that's kind of been a constant in my life. I got a lot of criticism from a lot of Christians for working with Kanye. And a lot of people, you know, question my integrity question my spirituality, you know, question my Christianity. It challenged me, you know, it is very painful. Some people responded like I was on there, you know, twerking and, you know, cussing and, you know, just turning up. But I'm doing me. If we humble ourselves. Yeah, it's a, it was a really well-made little documentary. Yeah, it was awesome. 
It was cool to see that MTV did that. Yeah, and he's a compelling character. Like, uh, I, I don't mean character in a bad way. I mean, like, personality and persona. A cat. A cat. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a, a cool cat. cat. Yeah, he's a cool cat. Uh, yeah. But but he's he occupies such an interesting place <laughs> in culture right now, especially hip-hop <laughs> culture, because there are a lot... He's, he's not lying. There are a lot of artists that are seeking him out, and he's a big voice in this sort of you know, hip hop revival that's going on. Yeah. Hey, another music news in case you missed it. Uh, it came out this week that Bob Dylan may uh, soon release a bootleg album of his Christian music. Can't wait. Did, really? Yeah. I mean, I love Bob Dylan. I'm going to see him in concert here. I, I didn't know he's still alive. Really? Oh he is God. alive. He just won the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> yeah. No, they can't find him to give it to him. They, they, they found him. He, oh, they, they found he him. He acknowledged, he acknowledged it. it finally. So back between 1979 and 1981, he released songs. As, they call it his Christian, you yeah. know, uh, stent phase. Yeah. Uh, phase, right? <laughs> um, he grew up Jewish, came to a, a kind of a Christian belief system, and then after about 81, it just he stopped talking about it. Yeah. We um we published a book back in 05, I think. Uh, the spiritual journey of Bob Dylan, and um, and he actually like I mean the 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 author lays out you know kind of chronicles uh, his spiritual journey and everything he's said about his beliefs and faith, and there really is no evidence that he is not a believer any longer. Yeah, right. he just stopped talking about it and singing about it. Right, um, and, and and so it just kind of faded away. Anyway, um. Many of the songs on the albums like Slow Train Coming and Saved have deeply biblical themes. Uh, titles like In the Garden, Solid Rock, Precious Angel, Gotta Serve Somebody. Um, so a source close to Dylan told Rolling Stone this week that the, that the new versions of songs will be unlike the ones that most Dylan fans are familiar with. Uh, the quote was, uh, the gospel is a lot of stuff that people ignored. Bob continued to tweak the gospel stuff on the road for a couple of years. It kept mutating. And so the mm. album that they're going to release now is bootlegs of those live Man, I can't wait. Things, so. it, it's, I one of, it's, be awesome. it's one of the most interesting and uh, like underappreciated chapters in like music history. There was a time when Bob Dylan would collaborate with Keith Green during that period. I mean, you know, Bob Dylan yeah. was during that period very vocal. And if you read some of the lyrics to those songs, I mean, they're overtly Christian songs. It's not like he's alluding to something. They're almost hymns. Yeah. I, I Dylan was one of those ones. I wasn't raised on Dylan and the Beatles and stuff. Yeah. And I've gone back to the Beatles, as you know, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not a fan because yeah. music has gotten better. I get that the Beatles were formative and that everything that's come after the Beatles, that they were a game changer mm -hmm. and yeah, that everybody's built on the foundation that they created. I feel like, yeah. And I don't agree, but we fought this fight yeah. and I just realized, you know what? You're just going to be, just wrong. own it. Just own it, man. Yeah. I'm owning the fact that I don't get the Beatles. <laughs> right. So likewise though, I kind of just clumped Dylan into that category of like old important music that I wouldn't like. Yeah. I'm at the record shop a couple of years ago. Yeah. I ended up finding a used, you know, the best of Bob Dylan from like 1982 yeah. or something like that. So it was kind of yeah. the core of his catalog. Put it on and it goes from kind of early Dylan all the way through. I was blown yeah. away. Yeah, He's nice. unbelievable. Yeah, he really is. I mean, the music is just fantastic, including the Jesus stuff. I mean, that era that is kind of ignored was still fantastic. Yeah, he's like unbelievable. Yeah. He's a real like cultural icon. Yeah, and I'm excited to hear it's, these live recordings to see how they have mutated, you know, and how he did involve mm. them over the years because he's famous for, for reinventing even his old music. Well, I think the mutation is a lot. He does a lot of different voices. I think he, uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of like kind of sci-fi illusion he does one all in falsetto which is a little unsettling uh it's very high and it's very gravelly and there's no um, band there's and, no band <laughs> just a single dobro player um in case you missed it uh jim gaffigan is returning to tv 
So, you know the FX uh, critically acclaimed show Fargo, the TV adaptation of the Coen Brothers movie? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's uh, Ewan McGregor's in it, and uh, it's a spinoff of the film. Uh, Jim Gaffigan is going to be in the next season. He's um, great. It's it's dark, and it's violent at times, and it's a, like like Gaffigan, yeah. a dramatic turn for, for the actor. He's got so. the right like voice for it. He's kind of got that... <laughs> Kind of northern voice. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and he doesn't have to yeah. write, direct, produce the show. He just is in it, which I'm sure is a lot of work, but more of a regular job. Yeah, so if you need your Gaffigan fix, you can see him on the road. <laughs> He's coming to the Hard Rock on March 3rd in <laughs> Sands Casino. And it'll be at Giggles. Exactly. This weekend. Or you can tune into Fargo yeah. this fall on yeah. FX. Yeah. Uh, in case you missed it this week, uh, Mila Kunis. I, 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 I said it like I was confident in how I pronounced you it. You said it right? I did? I think yeah. it's... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's okay, correct. there you go. Mila Kunis uh, is speaking <laughs> out about Hollywood's objectification of women. Uh, she she penned a powerful op-ed for the site A+, this week, explaining how she's been objectified over the course of her career and how she's taking a stand against Hollywood's gender bias problem. We talked about the gender wage gap last week, so um, this connects to... The conversation we had yeah. last week, but here's what yeah. she wrote. You'll never work in this town again. A cliche to be sure, but also what a producer threatened when I refused to pose semi-naked on the cover of a men's magazine to promote their film. I was no longer willing to subject myself to a naive compromise that I had previously been willing to. What this producer may never realize is that he spoke aloud the exact fear every woman feels when confronted with gender bias in the workplace. I'm done compromising. Even more so, I'm done with being compromised. So from this point forward, when I'm confronted with one of these comments, subtle or overt, I will address them head on. Uh, Kunis explained that she started her own production company, is now refusing projects that, quote, devalue the contributions and worth of hardworking women. She also said that by speaking out, she hopes that, quote, women in the workplace feel a little less alone and more able to push back for themselves. Powerful. Mila Kunis, go for it. Mila Kunis, not Mia, uh, it's one L. It's, yeah. not, it's not a. Yes. There's, there's no Mila. twists in it. There's no rolling R's either. Horror. Horror. <laughs> <laughs> Mila Kunis. Everyone. That's cool. It's pretty Good awesome. Yeah. Hey, and in case yeah. you missed it, again, not in my notes. Uh, we're done on the official stuff, but I just I added this right. in there. Right. Vine's gone. Hard day. Hard day. Hard day for people who Hard really, day. really enjoy themselves. <laughs> it, actually, it's, I liked Vine of all of them. I, I thought actually it was did the, too. I, but a great Vine. Is yeah. like something that no other platform could ever create. That's true. But yeah. there's a lot of junk to mm -hmm. find that great one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, right? that's that's yeah. why you look up the compilation videos on YouTube. Yeah. Someone else already finds the good ones for you <laughs> and then just puts them all together. As good as like the compilations ones are, and you know, it's easy to get down that wormhole and watch Vine compilations. There's something right. about the Vine form where you're watching the same one on a loop over and over and over and over, and it's funny. Every single time, like mm -hmm. it's just that short clip. Like there's one of uh, like a like a Macy's parade and Squidworth from SpongeBob is on there, and the guys on the sideline who are filming it were like, "Yo, yo, Squidworth, dab for me!" And he's like waving and just does a real quick dab, you know. And to <laughs> yeah. see Squidworth do it that quickly and then go back to waving is unsettling, weird, and hilarious yeah. every single. Right. And that's how great vines are. Like as soon as it, as soon as you get the laugh, it starts over and you get it again. Mm -hmm. The, the, you guys were talking this morning about yeah. the vine, about the funeral, the about pastor. the dead dove. Yeah, I watched it just today. The pastor releases the dove at a funeral, but he held it a little too tight. 
And as soon as he releases it, the dove hits the ground. And as soon as it hits the ground, it starts over again. And, and what's what? funny is like that came out a couple of years ago and it was just a clip on YouTube, which is longer. So there's yeah. more of the yeah. funeral talk beforehand. And then after mm-hmm. the dove falls to the ground, there's more. The six seconds the, the version <laughs> is so much better than the real version. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's, uh, you know, whatever he says and then and then you hear, oh, like everybody says, oh, and then it starts over again. It's great. But in yeah. a real practical sense, like because this kind of happened because Twitter is not doing super well and they're hedging their bets, yeah. right? They laid off. Well, here's, here's the problem. So Twitter can make two billion dollars a year. It's a business that will bring in two billion dollars a year. Yeah. The problem with Twitter is that the investors who invested in Twitter valued it because of their investments. They overinvested, and it is valued at a company that should be bringing in an infinite amount of money, $10 billion, $40 billion. Oh, wow. And it can only, in the eyes of the investors, bring in $2 billion. So therefore, it's a bad investment. They won't get their money back. They mm-hmm. want to sell their shares. Everything is crumbling. But it is a viable business that can bring in $2 billion a year. That's wild. Mm-hmm. But because it was overinvested, uh, yeah. it's going to fall apart. So wow. they're closing Vine. Is there like a replacement for it? Because it feels like it was pretty popular, wasn't it? Was it was very popular, but there was no direct, no point where it will ever make money. Oh. Yeah. It was just to build audience. Because like that's why Instagram works, right? Because you'll see ads every once in a while. Yeah, and there was a, yeah, there was a slow but long-term plan to monetize Instagram. So, you know, there's two ways to, to create a business or launch a business in the tech era. One is to build a business that brings in revenue that sustains itself. And you, you know, it's just mm-hmm. a viable business. The like other Uber model or Airbnb is, or something. Yeah. Yeah. The other model is you actually don't want to do anything that brings in revenue because that revenue level will define your value. So they actually try to only create businesses that build large audiences that have no business model. So they can then flip the business and they are creating a business to sell a business. Yeah. And so they create platforms like Vine and others that have no revenue, but they can say we have a hundred million people, a company will value, say, I I, I want to acquire a hundred million people and I'll do something with them. And it's not my problem. It's not Vine's mm-hmm. problem. So now that there are no buyers for Twitter because of the valuation issue, things like Vine are not sustainable. Uh, yeah. And so yeah. it's dead. Yeah. Wow. It, It's kind of the problem with like venture capitalist culture and where every company feels like it needs to go public to raise funds instead of just being content making money hands over fist. They feel like they have to make tens of it's like it's like the the line from the social network. You know, what's not cool a million dollars, but a billion dollars. Like basically that mindset has ruined a lot of tech companies because they're trying to make unsustainable amounts of money at some point. Like it was interesting this past week, Facebook announced their quarterly earnings and they were really strong they were they outpaced expectations but the value of the stock dropped after because mark zuckerberg was on an investor call and this investor call cost mark zuckerberg immediately like three billion dollars because he said something along the lines of at some point we're getting we're hitting the plateau of users like we're getting to the point where we're so ubiquitous that we're not going to be able to serve ads to more people we're hitting that point and even a company like Facebook, like that, mm. can have their value overinflated because of investment culture and IPO culture. All right, that'll do it for. In case you missed it, stay tuned. Up next, slices.
You're listening to The Shins. The song is Dead Alive. Probably Halloween reference. <laughs> yeah. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Dang by uh, Mac Miller featuring Anderson Pock. Um, dang. There you go. Good song. Anderson Pock is so good. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Okay, so there was a new interesting report from uh, Ericsson Consumer Lab, and they wanted to find out how viewing habits of the American public has changed recently because of the admin of VOD and YouTube and just you know the way people are consuming video content and TV is changing. They found that the average person in America spends 23 minutes a day trying to find something to watch. So that's just not scrolling through your TV. What? Come that's on. Also, Absolutely not. No, that's also like going through uh, your Netflix to try to uh, land on something, change, you know, flipping yeah. around the channels, looking for new content on yeah. YouTube. According to no uh, their study, <laughs> the I, 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 you guys, you guys sound surprised by this. I honestly don't because there will be nights where Next I spend. Slice, this is junk science. This <laughs> is your liberal <laughs> propaganda. Warmer. warmer. No, that, there's no way. There's no way. 23 minutes. That's almost a whole show. I feel like I, th- I spend maybe more time than that. Looking for something to yeah. watch? I, I definitely spend Sometimes more time than that. I mean, when I, spend- I go home and I popped out on the couch, I, I got I, I turn on the TV. I if it's a certain time where I know there's no shows on, I'll hit the DVR button and there's the shows. Boom. I, it's like seven seconds. I'm not gonna Wow. Twenty three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not twenty three minutes, but I definitely take a while to find like new shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, maybe I'm like maybe I'm a creature of habit. And I don't look for new shows. <laughs> well, yeah. again, this is an average show. So it would take someone that has like Cameron that you take seven seconds, but also someone who spends like an hour a day just scrolling through Netflix or or you know looking at their cable. What life guide. is that? There are plenty Bad. of nights. <laughs> there are plenty of nights where I, if especially if I'm alone, where it'll be like 45 minutes of trying to decide what I'm going to watch, like scrolling through, <laughs> like saving this one. Ah, maybe yeah. I'll watch this, or then I turn something off and start looking again. The, according to their calculations, the average U.S. viewer will spend 1.3 years of their life uh, switching around channels just looking for something to find to watch. Wow. Uh, obviously, this has increased dramatically. Uh, they also say that uh, 40% of the the American uh, viewing public uh, watches YouTube videos every single day, which I don't, again, find that all that surprising. Two um, YouTube videos a week. I watch the SNL promos. That's all I watch. Like the whole week or just on YouTube? I do I not mean, you watch, watch television. No, I don't watch YouTube. Right. No. But- I, anything you guys post. <laughs> Because that's, that's basically, you. it's all curated for me. Yeah, that's, like, right, that's yeah, the go. funniest thing on the internet I can see. Je- Jesse spends two hours a day looking for things, basically for Eddie to watch. Right? I was going to say. It's like a codependent. If there was some like way you could like like in like Black Mirror like or something like rewind and look at back at your whole life and see how you spent time, I ha- will have spent oh, gosh. A half of a lifetime finding funny stuff for other people to watch on video, some of which is totally hit or miss. That was just a bad call. <laughs> Like how much, how much of my life was spent watching YouTube videos that other people didn't think was funny? You know, I it's a an interesting calling. I'm, it's a so it's a sobering stat. Yeah, but uh, I also don't think any good movie watching decisions come after looking for more than twenty minutes. Like what? Why have you found yourself watching terrible things because you're just like I'm sick of you're looking settling, and I'm just going to settle on this? I once may or may not have endured a few minutes of Christian Mingle because my friend Lauren and I spent about thirty minutes looking on Netflix for a movie we would both enjoy. And so you didn't find anything on Netflix, so you're th- thinking I'm tired of browsing Netflix. I'll browse Christian men profiles. 
No, we watched the, the movie, movie. Oh, Christian oh, Mingle. Oh, 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 you know oh, Chandler. Okay. You Chandler, you yeah, know that movie. You know all about it. I didn't know that existed. I, didn't know, I, I, yeah, I forgot. Right, I had the DVD. Chandler. Okay. I, have I, a, I had no idea it existed. I have an unopened it's DVD. I, I got it right as now. a white elephant gift like a year or two ago. Wow. I need to find that thing. We should yeah. watch it. We could do a relevant screening of Christian we Mingle. We should. Gosh. Gretchen Wieners from Mean Girls is the star. <laughs> that feels like an awful movie, right? I, what, well, be. we can ask her. What's the what's the hot take on Christian Mingle yeah, the movie? Hot take. You're hearing it here first, folks, from Chelsea Because Steel. nobody else you know has watched it. <laughs> so. Um, I've seen the first 15 minutes uh-huh. and uh, did she mingle? She mingled and nothing but wasn't was really she bad. Out. Wasn't she like her life was like go get her career woman didn't love God. Right. Realizes she achieved everything that she thought she wanted, but she was empty inside. And so she wanted to have the <laughs> Are you love sure of you a real man. Saw this movie? I read the back cover. I remember this. <laughs> she was like a career woman who Cameron, was chasing you know the wrong a things. lot about this movie. And anyway, in, in about 15 minutes in, I read this on the back of her 15 minutes in, she gets online. She logs into Christian Angle. And that's when she sings the things in her message. And here's why I didn't find things believable. From, from what I read on the back cover. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't spend 23 minutes a day. I, if, if, if I can't find something within 10, I'm watching Christian Mingle again. I'm dissecting this thing. <laughs> you know, but, you know what? Actually, now that I'm remembering this. Was, when did it come out? A couple years ago? Like, I remember hearing about it and then uh, it wasn't a white elephant gift. I remember we bought it on Amazon because mm-hmm. we were going to have an office screening here in our studio, and we never uh, did. Wow. We need too late. It's not like too late. Nice addition. It, can I be honest? Yeah. It feels yeah, like it a would punishment. be here at the office. It feels like a punishment. Like it, like a headline went <laughs> oh. out with a, a headline make... went out with a typo in it, and the editorial team now has to stay after work and watch Christian mingle. Like it, it will. I promise <laughs> that typo will never happen again. <laughs> will never happen again. But yeah, I do I like have it. a solution. If I you're like if you're you're looking for content to watch and a lot of people do it to unwind and relax you know like sometimes at the end of the day you just don't want to think about anything there's a new service that just launched this week uh, that kind of rolls into this but i'm just kind of throwing it in there it's called napflix and it is a streaming site the interface looks like netflix but it is it is a curated collection of YouTube's most boring videos so that you can have something to fall asleep to. So uh, here's an example of some of their programming choices. If you're tired and can't fall asleep and want to queue up Netflix, uh, there is a traditional mass in Latin. There's a movie about different kinds of sheep, a film called The Apple Farm, a full documentary on quantum theory, three boring hours of an aquarium fish tank and the 2014 ski jumping tournament. Uh, some of the descriptions, most of the descriptions will start describing it before trailing off to just Z's. But uh, it is a, it is a curated collection. It's like this in, in this. Netflix. Yeah. So like for one of them that made me laugh was something. It was like the one for quantum theory. It was like professor so-and-so from the university of so-and-so dissects why quantum theory could change the, and it just goes Z. <laughs> But uh, it's a it's a curated collection of of really boring videos for you to take a nap to. If you're 23 minutes in, and you can't find anything, and you decide it's time to go to sleep, just queue up some Netflix. Uh, no, I need to be you need to be careful because I just tried to pull it up. It's napflix.tv. It's dot tv. Yeah, don't everybody. go to dot com. Dot com has a lot of weird languages, and it says intrar, and I did not click that yeah, button. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I should, I should <laughs> mention this. Eyes. I forgot to mention, I was on Netflix.com earlier. My identity was definitely stolen. Um, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> immediately, I got fraud warning, yeah. warnings on my credit card. It's too late. I mean, I'm in a lot of debt yeah. right now. So, yeah, it's Netflix.tv. All right. Uh, what do you have, Eddie? So, I wrote an article a couple of years ago for our fair website, 
Netflix.com, which again has been taken over. <laughs> Netflix.com. <laughs> again, I emailed uh, someone at so, Netflix.com and they sent me a very unhelpful email back that uh, I wish I hadn't opened. But uh, I'm going to report it again to them because I don't know. I don't know who else is No one else has helped me out. I'm getting deaf ears, falling on deaf ears. So uh, I just got to keep emailing this guy, Sergey, uh, who, like I said, I think he's just messing with me. But he did. He, he said, I will help you if you can photo, if you send a scan of your passport. So I did that and I'm um, thinking, I think we'll get this resolved. We'll get this resolved pretty soon. So my, my, I had to send them my social security card too. So I don't. Oh yeah. He need to be able to. Yeah. yeah he would he need to, you he need to verify to fix it that, for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He's, yeah. um, He's taken my name at this point. I'm, he's demanded that, so um, I'm a little, unco- yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable with yeah. some of the things that he's, he's asked. But again, my hands are tied here. I mean, uh, it, nat, nat, he's helping you out. Netflix.com look legit, so help me out, sir. Guys. Yeah, a good investment is a good investment. What do you have to lose? So uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote a, or a story for the website, and... <laughs> he's thinking about what he has to lose. That's why literally he's everything. Right literally now. everything. <laughs> everything I've ever worked yeah, and hoped yeah. for. But that's all. But uh, you know, sometimes sometimes you see an opportunity. I, I wrote an These edit- opportunities don't present themselves every right. day. And uh, you know, the Nigerian prince thing, uh, that's gonna pay off. A lot of this <laughs> stuff is gonna come to fruition. Yeah, your, your big investment in vine. Your shit's yeah, gonna my, come my, in. My, my vine yeah. investment, <laughs> like I said, this this in this I mean I, the the luck that I had that this guy who has <laughs> this huge inheritance coming right out of the blue. I mean <laughs> You know he's royal. He is royalty, from what I understand. Again, his his communication dropped off after my last four payments, but we'll, we'll be out of the woods soon. Again, I'm choosing not to worry about. It. I'm actually very concerned, and uh, I think I may have done something illegal. One day at a time. I got. Let's just say this. I got oh, a diverse. I got a diverse okay. portfolio. That's all I'll say. I liked it at this point. I know the whole flow well enough. I just was like, sit back. You just open sit a, back. You op- ride it. Open a Diet Coke and enjoy continue, the show. Like continue. Else. <laughs> just, just listening to it. I loved it in my own little podcast. <laughs> so, uh, um, so I wrote this article a couple years ago and got a ton of Facebook comments, most of them negative. It was actually probably the most pushback I've ever gotten on. Never them. read the Facebook comments. I re- yeah, yeah, I know. We've talked about this. Chelsea, uh, you, have you learned this yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. I read every single Fa- one. Facebook are the worst The it worst torture. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. It is the worst. Um, really? It hasn't affected you yet? No. That's good. So the article was, can I be friends with someone of the opposite sex? And my answer was, oh, no. Like yeah. it's, I mean, you can, but don't ever be surprised if it blossoms into something more. And people were just infuriated, and mostly they were infuriated. Well, on, let me ask. Let me ask the context. Are you talking about two single people, two married people? It's a good. That's a very good clarifier. Yeah, typical. I was talking about the question that somebody wrote in was something to the effect of like, my best friend is a guy. It seems like a woman, and they're both single. And it seems like we went from having this great friendship to all of a sudden he is talking about yeah. that he. Has feelings for has her. feelings for right. her, and I basically just asserted, and probably probably a little too strongly in the article, which is <laughs> it's your own fault. <laughs> well, oh, like yikes. this is always what happens, and I and people were not happy about that, and people use their own examples to say I've been friends with this person for twenty years, and we've but, never. But had I any- would agree with you that if there's a close single two single people of the opposite sex, there's probably one of them has feelings that the other one is oblivious to. Certainly, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, totally, because. Chelsea, you're single and friends with a lot of men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and? Do you have unrequited feelings for some of them that I, they don't know about? 
I don't. That is exactly what this study talks about because Chelsea probably wouldn't. But the study is confirming what I thought, which is and what has actually been proven many times before. And I will say that the the study comes from the evolutionary psych uh, evolution journal of evolutionary psychological science. So this is not a uh, revelation, revelation kind of moment. I'm not endorsing that. I'm just saying they did this interesting study that. in particular, men, when they, so they would, they found a college students, men and women who were friends and were spending time together. They took them to different rooms and gave them a questionnaire. And they found out a disproportionately high number of the men in the relationship said, yeah, actually, I secretly mm. do have feelings for, for this woman. And the women into a completely opposite disproportional amount said, no, we're actually just really good friends. Right. Proving and this was like the fifth time and the fifth variation of a different study that's been done over the last 10 years. And all of them come back with the same results, which are essentially sometimes it is just a friendship. Most of the time it's somebody is romantically into it. And most of the time that person is the man in the relationship. Of course, this was only studying, uh, you know, heterosexual single. So there's, you know, a limit to the study, but um, I thought it was really interesting because I do think that that is generally I well, Wait, Chelsea has a bunch of guy friends. No, I'm not saying you have a bunch of guy friends, but the guy friends of your life, you're like, yeah, we're just buds. Totally. But uh, there's probably some of them that really are friends with you. I'm curious to know why. Yeah, why, why is How it only guys? Not well, not well, only, this... but primarily according to the study. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because it did not actually explain why well, men. You're a counselor and psychologist. Why women... you tell us your take? <laughs> Yeah, because the the interesting thing is they, there might not be like a quantifiable reason why. Yeah, I don't know if it's more the like it's a my guess is that that's probably more of a Western societal thing where it's like a guy would, in a very traditional sense, ask a, a girl out first, would ask her to marry her. There's a kind of a sense that the guy does the first step. So guys more have their radar up for, should I be making a first step here? Should I be asking here? So they're more thinking in that direction. They're pursuing mm-hmm. i guess whether that's right or wrong i kind of i i wouldn't care if well i was gonna say i wouldn't care if a woman asked a man out on a date i don't i know that that's not southern yeah. Yeah. but who cares like who cares i think it, i think it's fine but we're talking just in norms here i think that's probably part of it guys mm-hmm. radars are up for it there's probably and so this study actually gets a little weird because it's like evolutionary science so they're saying that basically this is the way the species evolves. Like mm. They have to be attracted. There is no evolutionary reason why a man and a woman would ever just be platonic. That's when it gets weird to me because I was like, okay, well, you're speaking just in terms Design. of evolution and not yeah. in terms of like God's, God's creation of people in relationship with each other. And I think they're missing right. a huge piece of it. I, I do really question sometimes if you are both single and <laughs> like you're, people say like, oh, I would never date my best friend. Like why? Why would you not? Isn't that exactly like I dated my best friend, <laughs> married her, boom. <laughs> <laughs> so I I just don't. Uh, yeah, it's a. Brienne said at one point she's like you know that if like we ever got married to other people this friendship that we have wouldn't be like appropriate. Yeah. You can't be best friends with someone of the right. opposite sex if you're married. Right. And I was like, I could I agree with that, but that's why inside my wedding ring she had engraved BFF. Which I always thought that's was awesome. which I always thought was a very sweet thing, but it really does. Like that's the right line to to draw. Like if you were dating someone else, would this existing friendship at all be awkward in the context of you being in another relationship? 
So, Eddie, the question of the hour is, did you rehash the old Facebook thread, which is long dead and everyone's forgotten their hatred? And did you bring it back up and and (laughs) shove this study right in everyone's face and say, look, science, science believes me, dummies. Is that what you did? Yeah, this this would be a double whammy because it would be not only just bringing up an old, painful conversation, but also from a psychological or an evolution journal. It's, it's interesting like, oh, that well, you said that's a whole painful business. conversation. <laughs> that's right. I read, that's right. listen, I read hateful self-help things I write every single day. Not a day of my life goes by that someone doesn't say something snarky <laughs> or mean-spirited about something I write. And I literally feel no pain at all, Eddie. So it's interesting <laughs> I, that you would call that painful. I just call it life. We don't have to go too far down this rabbit trail. But I do think it's fascinating when people give feedback. It's typically not because their feedback is uh, negative feedback. It's not because their feedback is wrong. It's it's because they are seeing it only as it pertains to their specific situation and not as it may pertain to a larger idea. Like people listening to this will go like, oh, I've been best friends with a guy for 20 years and my husband and I are perf- are like married. Like, mm-hmm. great. In a specific yeah. situation, yeah. it worked out. But that's not the rule. Right. That's just a, every once in a while you get to sneak one through. Right. It was like a couple weeks ago with the whole church conversation. I got like a lot of pushback on that. Yeah. And it was uh, like church compensation. Stuff, church compensation yeah. was like, okay, well, well, let's it, think of it as a broad, com- but, yeah. but because we didn't specifically address their context or their particular experience in right. our conversation, right. we were missing the bigger point. And we're like, actually, but yeah. we were talking about our own perspective and experiences. Mm-hmm. Like we, yeah. we're, we acknowledge that this was not representative of the universal truth about yes. church compensation. Very, very hard. I learned in launching relevant. You, I mean, this this thing didn't exist. What we were, what we've tried to do over the last sixteen years, didn't exist. It was a different lane, and and yeah. it didn't fit the mold of what was out there. And that, I don't know. I had conviction that we should pursue something else, and and got pushback and got criticism and stuff like that. And somebody told me very early on something that helped me and how to deal with criticism. Well, number one, you don't listen to the people who love you and praise you and don't listen to people who hate you because they're going to give you a distorted perspective either right. way. It's the end of the bell curve. Yeah. And, and so you need to uh, listen with one ear. Like you need to have a conviction about the thing that God's called you to do. And you need to pursue it, but you need to be humble enough and teachable enough to take you know constructive critique mm-hmm. as well. So you need to listen, but you need to have a detachment as well, a, a, yeah. a commitment to the thing that you're pursuing. Listen to others with one ear. Something that I've learned just doing media in the age of social media, I can't read the comments. I don't <laughs> read the comments at all because it's too easy to say something. It, like it's, it takes no actual effort to communicate something constructive mm-hmm. on Facebook and you just yeah. spat out whatever you feel, right? And you could lob a grenade that you believe or don't believe, and it could decimate the person reading that comment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Somebody emails us or emails me, I'll always take the time to read it, and I will usually take the time to reply, even if they're ripping me a new one, because I'll at least have the opportunity. Thank you for you know explaining where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you taking the time to write me. Here's where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. We don't have to agree to agree. I mean, yeah. we, you know, but I just, you shared your heart and I heard you and I want you to hear my heart. There you go. And nine times out of 10, the person who is upset with you just wanted to be heard. Totally. And the fact that you take the time to listen 
just just diffuses the whole thing. Because right? Especially in the era of social media and where outrage is fashionable and everyone's looking for micro aggressions to vent about, you know, micro. they're looking for things to be offended. They'll read into things and perceive things that aren't there to, in order to express outrage online, just because that's like this weird cathartic cultural thing that people do is to find something that someone said that is, could be perceived as offensive and vent about it to realize that, look, there's, this is another human being that maybe, maybe they did, or maybe they didn't make a mistake. Maybe they have an, an opinion or an idea you don't like, but if this was a face to face conversation, would it be the same? And if it's not, then maybe it's better to refrain from, you know, just trying to tear into somebody on, in a Facebook thread. Yeah, and that's why I don't read the comments, but I will read the emails, which aren't th- very common, honestly. We should talk about this some other time because I read every comment and have a whole different philosophy on it. D- please tell me. I'm actually, I'm uh, teachable, man. I'm listening well, with one ear right now. <laughs> I was listening with one ear, but it was the wrong ear. I didn't hear a word of all that. Um, no, I, I read all... I, Eddie's death in one ear. <laughs> I read all of the comments because I feel like that gives me the average of generally what the reception was of that thing. But hey, can, real the, quick, Eddie, can, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I w- want to just correct something there because I don't feel like that's accurate. And, and if you don't mind, if I tell you why, or, no. and, and the, the reason is because comments usually, especially in like, there's a really interesting philosophy behind social media design, right? So like, especially on Facebook and now on Twitter, you like something. So your expression that you approve of something is done through these weird engagement metrics that are artificial ways to say that you approve. The way that you disapprove has nothing to do, there is no way to like thumbs down something, right? So the only way for people to express disapproval is to say something in the comments. So if you're gauging people's approval of what you did through the comments, it's inaccurate because there's no way to exactly quantify it. You're not going to get a balance because like, let's say an article you wrote gets 10,000 likes, but you have two dozen people who are expressing an opinion Hmm. that is against it. Reading, trying to take gauge that as, um, you know, how good the article is, isn't effective because Facebook built into itself a different way to approve things. It's no. easier and simple. I'm not saying how good the article is because I still want or, or they like your idea that you say in the article. No, I think it's like, is there a correct, like I've had a couple articles and someone's like, that actually wasn't the biblical. That wasn't what Paul was saying there. And enough people said it that it was like, you know, I think you may have a point. I agree with you that you know, sometimes there's a needle in a haystack where there's a thoughtful, correct, you know, constructive, mm-hmm. you know, comment. Right. But I've found, given the volume of what we publish or what we do, that yeah. the one out of 500 comments, you know, that, that yeah. would be beneficial, it is not worth the damage that the 499 do to me personally to have yeah. to get to the one. And so I just like, I can't read the comments. And so like, you know, hopefully yeah. that that idea, if a few people have observed that I, what we published was off, they would take the time to, you know, email us or find another way to like, you know, contact us and yeah. like, hey guys, you know, I care about what you're doing, but like this was off. Great. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to sift through the Facebook comments. And, and that's why well, Eddie, I would like, because I've seen it too, where, other, where I've seen other writers, you know, write something for us and get literally 100,000 Facebook likes, you know? Like, yeah. and, and then I, well, they're like, well, there's 200 comments here and half of these are negative. It's like, well, listen, 200,000 people clicked a button that said they like this and you have, a hun- you have less than a percent of those 
that are expressing an opinion different. You know, it's too, it's, you know, like be open to criticism, but don't put too much value in it. Like the other thing too, is like stick to your judgment and stick to your ideas and, you know, be open to criticism, but don't put yourself worth in them. Like is my thing It's like, don't let that be the validation, you know, like, if you think it's worth being said and you believe it and you think it's correct and the people that are giving you a platform put trust in you to put that opinion out there and obviously there's people that have read it and agree with you then then stick by it and don't let the the negativity get to you because there's all anything interesting that you can say is going to have a negative feedback otherwise it's not interesting right like if you just say things that everybody agrees with that's not interesting if you have interesting ideas there are going to be people who disagree with it and i feel like putting your too much <laughs> self-worth in the in the in the negative feedback is going to be very destructive personally well i don't think men and women can really date and not end up having a romantic relationship and if you don't agree date. with that or no uh, <laughs> you're right i don't think if you end up dating somebody you probably will I have a romantic relationship yeah. i don't think they can be friends and not have it turn romantic and if you'd like to respond to that go to facebook eddie, eddie i'm going to respond with a thing that i read every single day that's not original more like irrelevant if i have to read that face i'm going to make i'm going to make i'm going to filter out the they word do. irrelevant after this they do say face. that again a yeah. lot don't they oh, yeah not a day goes by and it can be about anything literally what anything what i what i don't understand are the people who follow our brand whose sole purpose is to tear down everything we put out <laughs> but, but here's by the thing. saying more like irrelevant. Yeah, but, but, it's but, like, how about just remove the negativity from your feed, buddy? Just move on. You don't like, we're, we're, you're not in our I, lane. That's fine. I, I love that we're talking about this on election day. Like, yeah. it's pretty, but, but, pretty but, but appropriate. What they, what they don't understand is they help us way more than they hurt us because it, it gets people yeah. talking. You know, like, look, if, like I said, if we stand rousers. by the strength of the idea of what we publish, which we do for everything, then fine. It's, it, give it all the criticism you want because all you're doing is exposing it to a broader audience and we believe in it. So go ahead, try to knock it. All you're doing is opening it up to more people with different ideas. That, yeah, you know, that's true. They're helping us crack the Facebook algorithm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah. What you mean for harm, God is using for good. Damn. <laughs> Jesus, you tell you like that. Them apples. <laughs> more like you're irrelevant. All right. Well, I have no segue here. What do you have, Chelsea? Um, Our very first slice, everybody. Here we go. This Hot is it. Slice, it's everybody. all been leading up to this moment. Diving in. Uh, it's a big one. Taco Bell is famous for their fourth meal, which is your meal you can get between the hours of midnight and 4 a.m. And in their Great Britain locations, they are adding a quesadilla filled with Kit Kat bars. Oh, you know that's going to be good, though. Oh, I oh. tried to go this morning. Choco, taco, just to see. Oh uh, yeah, it's the same exact. Yeah, it's true. the same exact formula. Yeah, I no, think they're testing this it out is, over there. This isn't a chocolate tortilla, Eddie. This is a regular, a regular tortilla. <laughs> tortilla, toasted tortilla, stuffed with. No, but tortillas don't have like a like a hyper flowery taste. They're a little bit salty, salty and sweet. Sure. I think it's a brilliant idea. I think they're testing it out over there to see if it will do well. And if it does, then they'll bring it over here. They have the audacity of Taco Bell. First, <laughs> they try to convince us. Here's the thing. Their marketing team first tried to convince us it's a good idea to wake up in the middle of the night and go buy Mexican food. I don't think that's <laughs> I think the, that is the premise of fourth meal. aren't having to wake up in the middle of yeah, the night. Yeah, that's true. I don't think that's the audience <laughs> they're targeting. They're all rolling the fourth meal thing because we're the only thing that's open. You're hungry uh -huh. and we, we have yeah. semi-edible food that in the light of day yeah. would not be edible. <laughs> the motto for fourth meal is there's time for one more bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Bell did put something a little bit 
Seafood you can't trust. That was not, yeah. I dove headfirst into looking up failed fast foods after this news. What did you find? Uh, well, as we all know, the Darth Vader burger was a huge flop at Burger King. I didn't know about it. Did you not? No. Okay, so they was had the these, patty black. It was pitch black. Oh, wow. that's right. Not it the was, patty, the bun. The bun. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. it was like a black bean thing. I'm. I have I don't no know idea how, how it. it was constructed, but it looked probably just disgusting. black food coloring. Yeah, yeah. no, it had. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was just. It was just fungus. It was Bad spoiled. Idea. It's just a reminder that everything's <laughs> artificially colored. Yeah, maybe it was pumpernickel. McDonald's had a hot dog for a while that did wait. Horribly. Well, Burger King has a hot dog currently. Yeah. Burger Kings may do better. And checkers and rallies do, don't they? I don't know. It's like a big deal there. I haven't been to checkers or rallies. McDonald's. They, those are like chili dogs. <laughs> no, yeah. This was just like no bells, no whistles, bun, hot dog. But it was brought back in Japan as a breakfast item. A hot dog. Oh. Yeah. Back in 2009. Oh, they brought it back. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Scott Derrickson joins us. You're listening to The Head and the Heart. The song is All We Ever Knew. Well, this week's uh, feature interview is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Building a site with Squarespace is easy, even if you have no idea what you're doing. You can use some of their beautiful templates. You could do a best-in-class online store. You can customize whatever settings you want. You can do code or no code, and it's all there without a single plug-in. They have great commerce tools. If you're doing a store, they have awesome customer support as well. And if you send it for a year, you get a free custom domain with your Squarespace site. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, That's squarespace.com, offer code RELEVANT. Scott Derrickson is an acclaimed filmmaker known for directing supernatural horror movies, including Sinister, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and Deliver Us from Evil. Too scary, all of it. Recently, I know I haven't seen any of them. I'm sure it's great. I hear good things. I'm sure it's great. Uh, Recently, he's made the jump to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU, writing and directing the franchise's latest epic, Doctor Strange, which currently holds a 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and is, as Jesse said, the biggest film in the world right now. In the new issue of Relevant, we talked to Derrickson about the spiritual messages of the film, what sets Doctor Strange apart from the Avengers, and how his Christian faith informs his creative choices as a filmmaker. Here is part of that interview. There are so many superhero movies coming out. I mean, it's like four or five a summer, it seems like. 
So for you, departing from your typical genre, what is it about Doctor Strange that made you think you could, um, you know, offer something something unique um, based on what's already out there? I mean, my interest in the, in the comic goes back a long time, you know, because I grew up reading comics and and most of Marvel comics, and and I, I always loved Doctor Strange um, uniquely, um, and and it it was I think the um, the presence of the fantastical, the presence of the supernatural, um, that was, that was in it. Um, the idea of magic, uh, being a component that was very unique to more scientifically or biologically rooted superpowers. Um, and, uh, and I also was always really just taken with the Dr. Strange character himself, you know, a character who, who had been, uh, on top of the world with everything was kind of a jerk uh, and and uh, and through a gauntlet of pain and suffering you know um, really learned uh, to, to grow for lack of a better word spiritually and, and overcome himself I thought that that character in the middle of, uh, of a fantastical, magical mystical psychedelic uh, world which which is what you get in the comics was just uh, amazing material for for a, a fresh kind of superhero movie. I'd like to talk a little more about you know, the story and character development elements that you have going on here. Um, you know, if, if you don't mind me being as bold as to try and put a theme to your body of work. I mean, I would say, you know, dark versus light, uh, good versus evil, these kind of clear clashes um, of supernatural forces coming to a head. With a movie like Doctor Strange, though, where it seems to be a little bit more about one man and his internal struggles, how did how did those kind of themes play out when it's when they're not these big external forces necessarily? Uh, but, well, it's about it's about um you know, the circumstances that, that they're having to overcome and what they're having to learn. I mean, I think that um, every good, every good, uh, uh, there have been a lot of good boxing movies, you know, in the history of cinema. And, and um, there's always, there's always the, the, the top contender that, you, that, that your hero's got to fight at the end, you know, but no, no good boxing movie is about, is about um, that conflict. It's really always about uh, an individual finding out who they are, what they're capable of. Are they strong enough to, to, to build themselves up to be able to accomplish something like that? And um, and I think in this case, it's it's great because it's not um, it's not about physical achievement. It's not about um, character manifesting itself in physical strength. It's it really is about um, getting past one's own ego. And uh, and coming to recognize that uh, uh, true growth and true power comes from a sense of surrender to something greater than yourself and service to something greater than yourself. These are very lofty ideas, but but we 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 really felt felt that Doctor Strange was interesting because he was a character who went through that journey, and and, and it's a mystical journey, and it's a it's a journey of mystical and spiritual power and growth because the powers that he ends up acquiring as a superhero are mystical, magical, mind-bending powers that that have a component of inexplicability to them themselves. And uh, and so all of it felt 
feels very organic, you know, and it feels like the kind of character story that you would tell in a, in a movie about magic. Because Doctor Strange is so different than uh, similar superhero movies uh, in the terms that he's dealing more in the supernatural than, than in this naturalistic or even scientific type world, uh, were you able to draw on existing superhero models in terms of film or what was kind of your approach in terms of drawing from what's already out there? I mean, I love superhero movies. You know, I've carried a Marvel. I've carried, had a Marvel wallet for four years. You know, and 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 what they've been doing has been has been really exciting for me to watch. And um, and I and I, I you know and I love a lot of the DC films as well. I I, uh, I think that um, I was coming from a place that I think probably most of the audience was coming from, which was I'm ready for something new. You know, like I'm 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 ready for. I need some I need some left turns now, you know, some like hard left turns. Deadpool was a hard left turn, you know. It, I think people responded. I think it was a really good movie, but I think that that um, the overwhelming response to that movie was the was the fact that it was a really good movie and it was just so wildly different. It was such a breath of fresh air compared to what had been had been around it for for quite a while. And with Doctor Strange. I was only interested in doing it if we were going to be really bold and and take a hard left turn and and just try to create uh, a world and set pieces and characters that that did not feel um, like they they were um, the same thing um, that we've that we've seen before, but rather we're we're, we're offering up some surprising. Um, new approaches you know to to both characters and and to action i want to talk just finally about yourself a little bit you've been pretty vocal about your own faith and i think i even read somewhere that you grew up um, a fundamentalist a Baptist background, even doing I think Bible drills out at Bob Jones University and that kind of thing. Uh, and then you've been on a, on a journey since. How does that play out when it comes to filmmaking for you, particularly in a film like this that would have so many spiritual elements? Well, you know, it's evolving as I get older, you know. Um, I, I certainly um, just continue to move further and further away from having any any um, impulse or desire uh to express my own view of things um, and my own uh, point of view, I'm much more interested in uh, in challenging myself uh, by what it is that I'm working on, what it is that I'm writing. You know, and, and when you look at Doctor Strange, um, the, the the philosophical ideas that that are rooted in the comics are, you know, primarily um, uh, you know Hindu and Buddhist and and I, you know, I really took that that uh, seriously, and and took my took time to read. I, you know, I have a background in religious philosophy, so I'd read plenty of Hindu and Buddhist literature in the past. But, but I, but there, I, I was really interested in the truths that I could find there, and 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 in this age where, um, you know, the word Christian conjures up angry, angry, vocal, closed-minded Christians, and the word atheist conjures up. Uh, images of angry close-minded uh atheists you know and i i just and you know these all of these terms just become um fighting words i i really like the idea that that the comics and the movie therefore 
could just be a third thing where we're talking about magic and we're talking about mysticism or talking about possibilities and other realities, you know, in places where, um, where we all know, um, you know, ideas, religious ideas and scientific ideas overlap, even though we're not really playing with that either in this movie. We're not explaining magic scientifically. Magic is magic. Um, but I can't help but view the world um, mystically. You know, it's how I see it. I, I'm not a I'm not a strict materialist. I think there's more, much more to the world than what we see with our five senses. And so, you know, I'm a good choice for this material because because I I, I feel the world that way. Um, but even if you don't, um, I certainly made the movie for everyone to try to to make that jump and enjoy the ride of of, of possibilities of what could be out there, and to do it in a way that 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 wasn't. Um, uh, 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 presenting a point of view just really challenging Lonathan's point of view but rather the, to articulate what we all know which is that we all need to grow we all have to get past ourselves we all we're all um, capable of being more than we than we presently are and the and the effort that it takes and, and the will that it takes and sometimes the trauma and tragedy that it takes to force us into that kind of growth is um is, is uh, the story of our lives, and uh, and to, to to do something that's that spiritual and that that personal uh, and that meaningful in the context of a gigantic, entertaining mind trip psychedelic action film—that's the kind of movie. That's the kind of movie. That's the kind of movie I want to see. You know, and uh, and 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 I think that 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 much more than anything else I've ever done. You know, this movie is far less an expression of of my view of things and, and, and it is a movie of discovery of things, things that I discovered in the process of making it, things that, that I discovered in the comics, discovered in the, with the actors, discovered with the writers. Um, it was a really beautiful um, growing process for me as an individual um, to go through this this whole you know arduous journey of making a movie this size. Uh, about a character of growth, and it was, it was, uh, it, it was, it was psychedelic and and uh, and invigorating and traumatic and and extremely fun. And I certainly have come out the other side a different person, you know, as a, as a result of it. And that's you know that's what you hope for when when you when you invest uh, two years into a creative project. Scott Derrickson. Make sure to check out Dr. Strange. It's everywhere now. And uh, read more about him and the film and his story in the new issue of Relevant, which is out now. Listening to Shura, the song is Make It Up. 
which is what we do for most of this podcast. <laughs> Music duo Gunger recently wrapped their most ambitious project of their career, a trilogy of albums called One Wild Life, themed around the concepts of soul, spirit, and body. Each installment is comprised of a worshipful collection of songs that explore a holistic view of life, pain, and a relationship with God. We recently spoke with Michael and Lisa Gunger about the latest release, Body, uh, how Trilogy was inspired by the most difficult year of their lives and how one of their career's biggest controversies led them to a new kind of creative freedom. Here is our conversation with Michael and Lisa Gunger. Well, we were going to do a, a single record, like, you know, a year and a half ago, whatever it was. And we had so many songs, and we had just come out of the hardest year of our lives, 2014. And we just had a lot of, we found that suffering often for us produces a lot of the way we cope and deal with it and navigate through it. A big part of it for us is art and writing. Mm-hmm. And so we had all this stuff coming out as a result of all the suffering that we had experienced in 2014. And we didn't know how to cut any of it out because it, it all seemed important to talk about all these um, kind of how we'd shifted our perspectives and how lives had changed and a lot of the ways that we were seeing the world. We just wanted to write about it all, but one album seemed like too small to do it. So finally stumbled across the or were handed however it works in the old creative world of uses and brains <laughs> um about an album trilogy and we thought it'd be a fun and crazy thing to try was really difficult for us um, among a bunch of a bunch of stuff <laughs> we, I mean, we had we had a very dear friend pass away tragically and we um, we didn't have a place to live for a little while and we had a bunch we had a big social media blow up uh, that happened and then we also had a beautiful baby girl who is amazing um, but we we didn't know when I was pregnant with her. She had that, she was born with Down syndrome and two heart defects. So it just floored us, and we um, 
quite honestly, just never, never thought we would be parents of a child with special needs. You know, that's one of those things you always feel like happens to other people. And um, so we were totally floored and devastated because we didn't know if she was going to live past her surgeries and what our life was going to look like. And so it felt like the whole world had just flipped upside down. Within the span of, you know, all these things were happening, probably within six months of each other, all within the year 2014, we processed life through writing songs and and also through everything that we were walking through, we quickly began to realize how we are, the, we were the blind people kind of going through life, looking for sight and grasping it here and there. But then for me, especially realizing how I so compartmentalize what a good life is and what a happy life is for people and um, what a full life is and people who contribute to the goodness of humanity and I realized on a very deep profound level how wrong I was about how I was viewing life. I know that sounds vague to say all of life but we've been on this journey that we feel like has opened our eyes to so many human issues and how we approach our humanity and when you try to push away suffering and pain even people with how we categorize people with special needs as having some kind of lesser life than everybody else like we really are cutting off a big piece of our humanity and what suffering has to teach us what pain has to teach us and what I really feel like this the, the, the community that we have found of people with special needs has already taught us so much our daughter's only two she's two years old but it's uh, already our, our life is like totally changed because because of her because of all the stuff that we walked through so everything is broken everything is pain everything is dark and pointless what is there to say everything is empty Everything will die You and I See the night See the sunrise See the love See the heartbreak You and I We will be We started with the soul record, and which to me, you know, soul is sort of the essence of a person, the, the emotions, the um, the wrestling, the suffering. Mm-hmm. And we, but rather than just try to divide it, because I was I was born in a way that I was raised in a way that really fragmented these ideas. Like you are spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. That's what my children's teachers would tell me. Um, I think that's a fragmented view of reality. So we we wanted the, the albums not to be too hard cut between each other, but to kind of demonstrate the point that it's all one thing. We let the themes bleed into each other. So soul started with soul and then kind of bled into more of a spirit thing towards the end of it. And then same thing, spirit started with spirit and then kind of bled into a body thing at the end of it and the body kind of bled into a soul thing at the end of it, whatever those things are. And that was what the part of the fun was. Because it's all just one thing, but these are lenses 
that we see the one thing through. Her body, I feel like it, it took on a different, a different thing than the other first two because it tells a story even within itself. So it's like it's part of these other two, but then we start, yeah. you know, we're talking about birth and we go through the different stages of life and through consciousness and toddler stage, see me, look at me, I need attention. And then, you know, the teenager building up the ego um, wanting fame, 15, the 15 seconds of fame and people just needing this approval from the world and then coming to a place of letting the ego go and you're entering adulthood and you're finding that these ideals and uh, climbing the corporate ladder, your idea of success falls apart, right? And you're finding who you truly are and what the trueness of life is and that, that a lot of times you even had as a baby and that you've lost that, you know. So these different stages we go through through life itself, we talk about within body. called Tree and Michael wrote it and it's that speaks specifically to body shame as a woman and knowing what that feels like growing up and your body's changing and then feeling like even just within culture but specifically you know within different religious circles this idea of what you should look like and how much skin you should show and shouldn't and what's appropriate and what how if a man is looking at you it's your fault and um, you know, it speaks to it speaks to that issue of body shame. Um, I love the line that says, "Did the tree of life despise its uh, branches? Seek to, to save its soul." I love oh, that one word but right hate, there. But hate the bark. Seek to, but hate the bark. <laughs> yeah. Seek to save its soul, but hate the bark. So this idea of like, no, I'm just, I just am, and especially like, I mean, I'm, I have two little girls now, and you know, travel in a band that plays music and this feeling that people want you to look good and they and they will judge you if you don't. And, and especially yeah, but within music, the young and the new is always like the best, right? And I, and I think it's important to see that for what it is and see our bodies for the beautiful creations they are. Did the tree of life divorce its body?
to check out their trilogy called One Wild Life. The new album, Body, is out now. Listening to Bat for Lashes. Uh, the song is Sunday Love, which is about going to church. So last week's question of the week was a little bit different. We brought Chelsea on to talk about the fact that she's doing our social media now. She's doing the Facebook, the Twitter, uh, but she's also on the Instagram. Now we haven't really fired up the, the the feed of where we're going with Instagram, but we are playing in the the weird shadows of Instagram and in the Instagram <laughs> stories right now. Uh, we're also going to be uh, firing up, you know, the the old Snapchat machine and. And, and the old Pinterest board and doing a bunch of other stuff too. Yeah. So now that Chelsea's here, we're going to have a lot of fun in the social media space. Vine. The Vine. Got, we got, had a huge Vine strategy. You got yeah, I mean, that, uh, I mean, we spent weeks <laughs> getting that ready. We and I, you know, yeah, I invested even more. Uh, we, you don't want to even know how many doves we killed by squeezing them too hard and then <laughs> threw them at a funeral. Can I be honest? None of ours were that funny. They were pretty dark and Vine immediately banned The timing them. is long. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you get, you, it's throwing noodles at the wall here, guys. You got to figure learn. out. It's social media. <laughs> you just got to try stuff. So anyway, oh, we man. asked you uh, suggestions for Chelsea about what content do you want to see from Relevant on the uh, Snapchat and Instagram stories specifically, the little, the the odd underbelly of our social media universe. Um, and so you guys replied. This is all the feedback we got this week. Uh, here's a few of our favorite ideas. Peter S. gave a, just a... Wonderful, terrible idea, which was show us selfies of the relevant staff election ballots, which would just bring down the whole ship. <laughs> I just love how damaged. the entire staff is in prison. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Addison just said prank Cameron. <laughs> oh, great. Well, I also this isn't related to the question of the week, but it's something I saw a lot on on social media. After Halloween and all these people had access to tons of, you know, bite-sized candy, lots of people are tweeting us pictures of 100 gram bars to let us know they still exist and that they're sad that we maligned now, them. No, here's the ago. thing that people on Twitter need to understand. When we go off on some tangent theorizing about something real, don't confuse us with facts. Don't correct us and tell us no hundred grand bars are popular because everywhere. Because nobody believes that those our, pictures are real. Our theory is much <laughs> better than reality. <laughs> Just let us live in our little thought bubble and don't don't confuse us yeah. with reality. And I wish 100 Grand Bars still existed. It, they I, would be delicious if we could just find any, but we apparently have to go to Hawaii. They're all in Hawaii, despite yeah. photographic <laughs> clear evidence. <laughs> no. <laughs> Photoshopped. <laughs> A lot of people responded to the um, gender... Uh, the gender pay inequality conversation yeah. and everybody yeah. was talking about the Freakonomics podcast, which that's right, which was really helpful. Did you listen to it? I didn't. Yet. I did. It was it good. Yeah, it was 
It was great. It actually settled it. It explained why the gender wage gap exists. Yeah. Uh, the gender norms thing, the societal stuff. Uh, it, it, it was fantastic. Freakonomics did a great podcast on it. If you guys want to continue it, that discussion. It's there literally everywhere on just podcasts. And then go over, if I might suggest, go over to the Freakonomics Facebook page and post willy-nilly whatever you think <laughs> about their content. <laughs> but make sure to get personal with whoever's yeah. byline is on there. Yeah. Like, personally attack them <laughs> because that really gets your point across and endears you. Also, I feel, I'd feel remiss if we didn't mention Mallory. Um, who was a guest on our show that we oh, called? Yeah. Uh, what was it? Two, two, three weeks ago, uh, yeah. Chelsea. Yeah, two weeks ago we called our friend Malpal. That's right. And she pitched a disturbing idea for a Halloween costume <laughs> in which she would dress up as a hot dog vending tiny cooked humans, and uh, we all were aghast. Um, and she went through with it and sent she pictures, did. and it's a fantastic weird costume. So that's on Twitter as well. You can check those out. All right. Well, you guys uh, sent a lot of good, uh, good suggestions. Did, uh, did you see any that you're gonna actually do? Um. Yeah. A, a lot of people want to see different variations of behind the scenes. Okay. So I'll be I'll be including that. I think people should have. I, I was hoping people were gonna like lob questions that they want you to then ask the staff or like challenges yeah. that they want you to do. Uh, I'd like to again. So I think I think this is one that we need to leave open ended. We want more feedback from you guys of what you want to see Chelsea do or, or uh, challenge her to do mm-hmm. on the, uh, the weird underbelly of our social media persona, which is Snapchat or an Instagram stories. So people ask what our Snapchat name is. We're not there yet. We just use it for the funny filters and we post it over on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're figuring that we'll out. make the jump over. soon. Yeah. We'll yeah. make the jump over yeah, soon. Very soon. Yeah. With actual content, not just weird stuff. But I will say, I am on Instagram, and I do interact with anyone who sends us a direct message. So if you have an idea or a question that you want to post to someone... Or you want to give brutal, awful, mean feedback about anything we've done, just DM us directly, and Chelsea will read it and cry. Yeah, and and just look for articles that Eddie wrote first. So just just kind (laughs) of hone the response towards that. He's got a lot of radical ideas that I think uh, you could have some fun with. So just focus there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for last week's feedback. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. Okay. Well, earlier in the show, we spent quite a bit of time talking about the inter intergender dynamics of guy girl friendships, mm-hmm. single guy girl friendships, and uh, and we thought, and Eddie said unequivocally. Recipe for disaster. As a statement of fact for all people that should never... With no exceptions. No exceptions. (laughs) This is about... Lady that's listening, man that's listening, this is about you specifically. You specifically. And I set up a bunch of... So we want you to object and be offended? You are making a mistake. I set up a bunch of fake uh, Facebook profiles to catfish Eddie and troll him in the comment (laughs) section. That's how much I disagree. (laughs) Yeah. So we want to know from you any... uh, Friend zone horror stories, horror stories yeah, that yeah. you have had or experienced. Uh, you know, you're going along, you're, you got, you got your, your pal, your gal pal, your guy pal, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. bum, bum, bum. Bum. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to know you're the most awkward horse horror Ooh. stories. But, yeah. but I like you the, guys have made me so self conscious about saying horror. <laughs> you should be. Jerk. Well, yeah, 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 we want to hear, we want to hear like one. where one person's friend zoned and the other person doesn't know it. You know, doesn't know it, yeah. but hardcore. Like someone brings flowers to a to a just. We thought we were hanging out, and the other person brings flowers. Something that just there was oh, like a you, one eighty. This is it. This is I a date. One. Oh, okay, okay. I want to oh. know Chelsea's. You want me just to tell yes, now? I do. Why wouldn't you? Uh, I was with a guy who I had been friends with for a very long time. 
Is he like a high five friend, a fist pump friend? Like I yeah, side I, hug. I'm, I mean, no, or, no, I'm real implemental of yeah. the fist bump. If yeah. I'm really skeptical of how things are going, shoulder punch. Ah. Implement a phrase like, "Hey, little guy, dude, bro, yeah, yeah. sport champ, buddy." I liked a girl once she and she was like, "Yeah, bro," or "Yeah, dude," and, and I was like, like, "Well, there's that." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. dun dun dun. <laughs> so I am with this dude and he and I are hanging out and he was seemed really frustrated and we had just come from hanging out with one of our friends who liked this girl for a long time and has never said anything to her and she is also interested in him so I asked my friend like why are you upset and he was like well our, our friend our friend's really upset and it's just really like I don't know bringing me down I just really want to see him happy and I was like, I know it really frustrates me that he doesn't say anything. I was like, if you like someone, like you should just oh, say no. something. Oh no. I know. And I was like, I don't, I think it would be, it work, would work out really well for him because you never know how the other person feels because I know that. Yeah, she likes him. Yes. Yeah. And my friend was like, do you really think that? And I was like, yeah, of course. Knowing we're talking about the other yeah. party and both people are interested. <laughs> and he was like, well, I guess now is a, a good time to tell you, Chelsea, that I've had a crush on you for a few years. And oh. I don't know. Like, I, I've always kind of felt that, like, we would be a thing. <gasps> it was bad. And you didn't know it at all. No idea. What did you What did you do, though? I was driving in a she car sort with of him. I was driving the oh, vehicle. You're so please, silly. Tell me, please tell me you unbuckled and you, like, slowed to, like, a, a decent speed and just jumped out and just rolled jumped away the down car. the street. <laughs> And let the car just Jesse, drift into a dumpster. You were there. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. That's painful. That's I had a I had a friend, a, a good friend in college, and literally 100 platonic, uh, just a friend, just a pal, sister. And uh, we graduated. <laughs> we moved Christ. to other states. Didn't keep in touch. You know, I mean, just a college friendship. And um, and she uh, emails me or something. Says like, Hey, I was living in Nashville. She's like, Hey. I'm, I'm coming through Nashville. I'd love to grab dinner or something, catch up. It's like, oh, yeah, me too. So we met up and, you know, around, you know, talking, catching up. And around 11 o'clock, she finally musters up the courage and she says, I was just wondering if there was ever any, th- any possibility of something happening between us or whatever, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> find out the next, cold find no. out the ne- the, f- the next week she got engaged. She what? came like uh, she apparently what? had kind of had feelings for me all throughout and <gasps> I was the one and then she uh, she had to just make sure and then once that door was fully shut she said yes to the guy and they got oh, married. No. My, my oh, favorite move my though is when people are like is when the guys are oh. like I feel like God's calling us to be together. <laughs> Yeah, you're like what? What God are you talking I haven't, to? Yeah, like, I don't. I don't get the confirmation like, of my spirit, brother. I don't. I don't feel. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but no, there's no. just you don't start off like that. And to the person who that has actually happened to and it's worked for, I was speaking specifically <laughs> to you and to your again, situation. Again, if you don't mind, you go head over to Eddie's Facebook page and just just really, really venting. Really, I mean, anything that pops into your head, say. That's that's my thing. So we, so uh, we want to know your friend zone horror stories, horror stories. Enunciation <laughs> is important on that word. Hit us up on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. And also you can tweet us at Relevant Podcast on the Twitter. We'll read our favorites next week. Uh, many thanks to the show sponsors for making this possible. Audible.com. Remember, you can get a 30-day free trial for Relevant Podcast listeners by signing up at audible.com slash relevant. And thanks also to Squarespace. You can set your website apart and start your free trial today at squarespace.com. 
Enter offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase when you decide to uh, pay for it. Uh, thanks to our guests who joined us this week. Uh, remember Scott Derrickson's little indie flick called <laughs> Dr. Strange hits theaters this weekend. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott Derrickson. And thanks also to Michael and Lisa Gunger. Uh, make sure to follow them on Twitter at Gunger Music. And remember their trilogy, One Wild Life, the album Body is out now. I like them. They yeah. are feisty. They're they're the best. <laughs> yeah, they're really, really They really cool. are. I've known them for yeah. years. They are just they good do people. Really interesting work. They really do. And it's important. Yeah. It you is. know I mean? that's why we love covering them. I love when good people mm-hmm. who are thoughtful, who care about creating great art, actually like <laughs> we can cover it and like yeah. promote yeah. it and yeah. like and well, and, and it we didn't plan this conversation about online feedback but i mean part of their story involves you know a, a kind of a controversy that led to some artistic revelations which obviously you heard in the interview so yeah always pushing the envelope S- really same thing same thing for eddie i mean it really is a deep parallel between what yeah. happened with gunger and what happened with eddie yeah i mean like you know i just my tweets have totally changed yeah, and he put <laughs> Eddie also put out an album about the body. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was it's very a, it's very, very different from the Gunger. It was very a very different. specific album. A it's called of, it's called Eddie's is called Body Sounds. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's exactly what the title much, insinuates. Much like I don't Dylan, know how it's a response to online criticism. Much but, like uh, the Dylan it's album, it's a mutation and evolution yeah. of yeah. some yeah. original it's, source material. Yeah. It's and, I'll say this: there's nothing else like it on the internet right now and that is saying something yeah, i mean the, it is the bootlegs are wildly disturbing <laughs> they're actually body well, sounds because for years yeah. they kept evolving yeah it's, like dylan it's terrifying yeah um <laughs> hey the new issue of relevant is out now make sure to pick it up it just <laughs> hit newsstands nationwide uh we'd love your support we think you'll really like the issue like i said the scott derrickson article is in there um also andrew garfield and mel gibson are the cover story their amazing film which also has a 91 percent front tomatoes rating look at that yeah. two for two it's we uh, it's just sounds of me like doing like two minutes of clicking my jaw in the morning after I brush my teeth and coughing a but little with bit with a light strumming of of uh, right. guitar underneath it. right <laughs> kind of clearing out my nose and maybe doing this doing <laughs> weird, s- weird yeah a weird nose. guttural sound but is it good saline taking but it's amazingly melodic taking, it sounds yeah. like a Dave Matthews band yeah. soft yeah. ballad behind it I, w- I want you to hear how creaky this knee is and it's just, it's just a little <laughs> yeah turn up really loud but uh, yeah it sounds listen. like it sounds like he injured it at some point yeah, yeah I had no I had a meniscus surgery on that about eight years ago and it's still no, a I'm, little, gonna, I'm gonna let a you get click. a real close listen for really? the next listen. four the next four minutes you're gonna want to run this through a nice hi-fi system to get some of that low end but here it goes and it's just here's me here's me just 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 blowing weird like (laughs) yeah i mean it counts i'm I'm out of ideas here so he he recorded that one at the top of the stairs yeah yeah, yeah, briskly went up the stairs okay yeah this is me i'm i'm doing uh, a butterfly kiss to the microphone it's my eyelashes (laughs) against the microphone for five consecutive minutes (laughs) it's Body sounds. <laughs> body. <laughs> the Body by Eddie Koppel. Uh, available exclusively on his Facebook page oh, man. for download. And uh, <laughs> please comment after you listen to it. Uh, like I said, the new issue of Relevance out now. There's some great articles in there. We'd love for you to uh, pick it up, check it out, tell us what you think. We actually care about your feedback. Um, uh, you can subscribe now at relevantmagazine.com or if you got a tablet, Android or iPad tablet, you can check out the interactive edition there in the app stores. It's pretty awesome. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. I'm Chelsea Steele. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you guys next week. 
tambourine man play a song for me I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to Hey Mr. Tambourine man play a song for me In a jingle jangle morning I come following you Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Take me disappearing Through the smoke rings of my mind Down the foggy ruins of time Far past the frozen leaves The haunted frightened trees Out to the windy beach Far from the twisted reach Of crazy sorrow Yes, to dance beneath the diamond sky With one hand waving free Silhouetted by the sea Circled by the circus sands with all memory and fate driven deep beneath the sea. Here's me just 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 blowing weird like <sighs>